But in the Bible, when they read the scripture, they stood. And sometimes they stood all day. Sometimes they stood four hours at a time. And the scrolls were opened up and they read the scripture. And that can be just tiring. I don't read four hours, but I'm going to read. And the reason why we stand for the reading of the word is because we reverence the word. Now, this is an interesting thing. I don't know about hierarchy, but, but the Bible says that God has given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue should confess of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth. We can bow now or you can force to be bow later, to bow later. That name, there's no, there's no comparison to his name. When you speak the name, it's, it is high. In fact, the Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The name is a strong tower. I don't know about hierarchy, but if you get into the word, the Bible says he has exalted his word above his name. You're excited about his name, but his word. So we stand for the reading of the word. And I'm about there. Um, There is an exploration today in the word. I'm digging. (laughs) There is a truth that we need to find out. Maybe seek and ye shall find refer, does refer to some material possessions, but I, I doubt it. Maybe we should think that asking and you should receive better pertains to asking for wisdom than for money or spiritual gifts rather than tangible ones. And accordingly, I submit that knocking and the door shall be open was never meant to be a natural door. Which leads me to believe that both asking and receiving were the same as knocking. And that these were endeavors that you couldn't always hold in your hand. We have to dig. And there's confidence and revelation and understanding lying beneath the surface of all of our lives. The Lord wants us to dig a little Now, I believe that what you heard Brother Barber get up and say was exactly a word from God. And I was so glad that he stopped short and left me a little room. But he did. And I was praying that he would just be quiet for a moment after he said his opening three or four lines. And he did. Because I, we are congruent, Brother Barber. The Spirit of the Lord did speak to you. And it was the word of God about a victory. And the Lord wants to, I don't know who's here to, to hear this, but the, and maybe no one, maybe it's someone that's going to watch it online or you're live streaming, but the Lord wants to bring you out of the thing you've been stuck in. You know, bring you out of it. Now, years and years ago, I want, I want my children to hear this. Uh, we, your mom and I had a wonderful life. You've asked us, what did we do before you came along? We did everything. And one date, she said, honey, I've got it planned. And uh, she had 
packages of meat and heavy, heavy twine, because of course I've married a Louisiana girl, Texas and Louisiana girl. And see, we're, we're going to go crabbing today. And this was, is it smelt? What is it, Timmy? And it's just bloody, nasty meat chopped up in little pieces. And we went out to the bayous and uh, we parked her dad's truck. And I said, do we need a container? She said, I have one in the back. We tied that meat on the end of that twine and, and straddled those, those pipes going across the bayou and, and, and lowered that heavy twine with that nasty, bloody meat on the bottom of it. And the crabs just grabbed it and we pulled them out. It was, it was exciting. What a date, man. That, now that. You talk about intimacy. <laughs> but I was very concerned. Because she had brought this nasty old beat up igloo container without a lid. And she said to me. Don't worry. I said, well, they'll get out. We're not going to have anything when we go home. She said, don't worry. All we need to do is catch two crabs because the moment one could get out, the other will pull it down. You don't need a lid if you have two crabs. All right. I don't know what he's talking about. Just hold on if you didn't catch it yet. We'll get to it. All right. Let's just read the Bible. Uh, Numbers chapter 26. I'd like to read from two different versions a little bit, but I, of course, I always, I always lean towards the King James. Nine, uh, 1611 King James, but I, uh, chapter 26 of Numbers. And um, I'm catching you in midstream here, verse 9. Um, this is um, a few things here. Um, it's sort of the end of a genealogy. The sons of Eliab, Nemuel, and Dathan, and Abiram. This is a description. This is Dathan and Abiram, which were famous in the congregation. They strove or they stood up against Moses and against Aaron in the company of Korah when they strove against the Lord. So... Verse 10, the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up together with Korah. When that company died, what time the fire devoured 250 men and they became a sign. Notwithstanding, the children of Korah died not. I love that verse 11. Uh, I'll read it in the NIV. Verse 9, and the sons of Eliab were Nemuel, Dathan, and Abiram. The same Dathan and Abiram, um, who they were the community officials. They rebelled against Moses and Aaron. They were among Korah's followers. Korah is the ringleader. They rebelled against the Lord. Verse 10, the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them along with Korah, whose followers died when the fire devoured the 250 men. And they served as a warning sign. Here it is. The line of Korah, however, 
did not die. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. The Lord's good. He won't bring you out of something. You've been trapped. Something's pulling you back down. Every time you try to get out and try and believe in the Lord for a long time, you believe him, but you just can't get out. You're at the edge, but you just can't get out. But the Lord's going to bring you out of that thing. He's going to bring you out of that thing. Now, it may be it may be immediate and it may be progressively but you're coming out of it it may be a moment that's a miracle or it may be a healing that's over time but he's going to bring you out of it he didn't bring you this far to leave you in that all right everybody said in jesus name turn your neighbor and tell them they're the best looking person you've seen so far There is nothing new under the sun, so declares the scripture. Love and hate, but around a long time, peace, war, passion, lethargy. These are the attributes of the human experience. Languages and cultures all feature the same thing, regardless of dispensation dispensation or ethnicities you know people have been fighting for thousands of years they should not shock you governments have been corrupt for as long as they have existed boundaries and sovereignties and borders have always been challenged and many times changed There have always been disputes from the borders of two rival nations with armies and military to those men cutting their grass without a fence. One will argue that because he cuts the grass, he owns the land. Do you feel convicted right now? Two of you do. All authority has been challenged. Every authority will always be challenged. No one leads without some rebuttal or rejection. Usurp. It's not a common word, usurp. You'll you'll not find it in most conversations of people. Its definition is either not known to people or perhaps the idea is rejected by a more independent mindset. Usurp. It means to... Seize or to overthrow, usurp or usurping authority simply means to topple or displace the current authority. Someone wants to take over or belittle their leader or the one that has the authority to usurp it, override it, thwart it. It's not new. There's nothing new under the sun. It's just a recycling of carnal minds and unsubmissive hearts. Korah 
usurped. Korah was the great-grandson of Levi. He was the younger contemporary of Moses. Means that he was the great-great-grandson of Jacob. According to Numbers chapter 16, he rose up against Moses and tried to usurp Moses' authority. He wasn't alone. Some 250 very important men stood up with him. Leaders, no less. Leaders among the people. Are you good? Everybody okay? I'm digging a little like an archaeologist. It's very impressive when leaders join together to denounce one man. In fact, it's, it's intimidating when a bunch of leaders stand up to denounce the man of God. Surely he's got to be wrong. And any bystander might question who's right or wrong at that point, especially with so many important people all saying the same thing. And the numerical argument is a powerful image. Well, that's one against 250 plus Korah. The King James Bible says that 250 were each a prince of the assembly. And I quote, famous in the congregation, men of renown. Try to defend yourself with that kind of opposition. They were led by Korah, who was the attending Levite in the tabernacle, the main man. And they all converged together, congregated around Korah, huddled there. 250 influential men clustered around their Levite leader. Korah had heritage and position. He was the great, great grandson of Jacob. What a lineage. His tribe was profoundly dominate, dominant, the Levites. Here's your Bible, number 16, 3. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. Three accusations right there. You take too much on you, you have too much authority. It's all centralized. Number two, everybody's holy. You're not the only holy man around us. Everybody's holy. We're all holy. We're Levites after all. And lastly, the Lord is with us also, i.e., you're not that special. He's with us too. Now, the Bible calls Moses the most humble man to ever live, and he's crushed. He knows that this is not going to end well. He knows just from what they have said and his experience about God, because he already knows That God speaks to him face to face, but God does not talk to any of them face to face. In fact, God said to Aaron and Miriam one time, when I speak to you, I speak in riddles and I speak in cloaked images and cloudy messages. But when I talk to Moses, I talk to him face to face. And Moses knows that this is going to be a bad situation. He's crushed. And so he falls down on the ground face forward. And he begins to prophesy and sets the matter in order. He's on the ground when he summons those men. Meet me in the morning. We'll let God work this out. Here's your Bible. You, Korah, and all your followers are to do this. Take censers. Put fire in them. 
Put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. Get your censers, put your fire in your censers like you would come before the Lord like you did in the sanctuary. And tomorrow, you bring your censers with your fire in them and we're going to let God. And God is going to show us who has the authority here. God will choose, not you, Korah, not you men. God decides who's in charge and who is not. And God, ladies and gentlemen, God can take anyone out he wants to at any time he desires. Because God is in control. We think we are in control, but God is in control. He's in control of everything. You might think that you have everything together, but your health can go like this. And your mind can go like this. You do not know. Because you think you're in control and we think we've got it. Just a side note to everyone. Please leave the God stuff to God. Because the moment you start messing around with authority, chances are you're going to get burned. (laughs) That's pretty harsh. It's in the Bible. Why don't you just let God be God? You're not God. Barbara Streisand stood up and said, we're all gods. I don't care how perfect her pitch is and how wonderful her voice is. She was lying. She was lying in perfect pitch. But she was wrong. You're not a god. You're the children of the most high God. He's God. He's in control. We're not in control. We're just going to let God do whatever he does. Moses is a humble man. He does does not even really try to defend himself. But and where I'm, from where I'm standing, they, he sent them home and gave them a full day to recant, rethink. Any one of them could have gone home and thought a little bit more and come back with an apology to Moses. Gave them a whole day. Go home, come back tomorrow. Moses could have settled the issue right then and there, but it looks like from where I'm standing that he gave them time to consider their foolish proposition Moses even pleaded for those fools he prayed to God shall one man sin and you be angry with everyone Lord it's called compassion in the face of a coup and I'm not telling you he wasn't angry verse 15 says he was angry but he still did not want judgment to come upon them because he knew this is not going to end well Korah what are you thinking Now, besides all of this, there is a frustration in Moses with all of his leniency and prayer. Verse 11, Moses said, and what is Aaron that ye murmur against him? What's Aaron got to do with this? Why pick on Aaron? What did he do wrong? Street talk. Why you got to go and pick on Aaron? Me? Yeah, I get it. You want to usurp me, but Aaron has no beef. I know you're after me. What's Aaron got to do with this? I know he's my brother, but he's kind of weak anyway. You know, swayed. You can sway him. He'll make you golden calves. His boys are rebellious. They make strange fire. Why Aaron? Everyone just turned around and went home. The lot of them destined for judgment, but confident in their own mind. And in order for them to embrace their opinions, are you ready? They had to dismiss their history. 
think? Moses was not a perfect man, but Korah and his influential men, a prince them all, renowned and known and respected. They were about to find out that fire in their censers was made for the tabernacle, but it would become judgment against them in their own hand. They literally held on to their appointment and God used their appointment to devour them. The morning came and at the end of the proposal of Moses, well, let me just read it. And it came to pass as he had made an end of speaking all these things that the ground clave asunder opened. The earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their houses and all the men that appertained unto Korah and all their goods they and all that appertained to them went down alive into the pit and the earth closed upon them and they perished from among the congregation and all Israel that were round about them fled at the cry of them for they said let the earth swallow us up also and there came a fire from the Lord and consumed the 250 men that offered incense You take too much authority on yourself. We're all holy and God is with us. Well, Korah, I guess you were wrong. Moses did have the authority. You weren't as holy as you thought. And God obviously thinks that Moses was a little bit more special than you. And the earth swallowed them up and swallowed Korah. Everything he ever worked for, everything he had ever done, it swallowed it all up. It was gone. Then it closed its mouth so that there was no evidence the Korah had ever spoken in the first place. His things were gone. His home disappeared. All the men who thought they were so wise and influential, they burned up. All of them holding their articles of censors and fire burning their hands. And then suddenly they were consumed by the fire of the Lord. We, we, we don't know where the fire came from. We could presume maybe accurately, that it came from their own censers because that was the fire of the Lord. Because <laughs> the fire that would burn in the censers was not fire they could get from their own house. That was coals from off of the fire in the tabernacle. That's what they had to use in their censers. Think of it. In their own calling, his fire was hotter. His power was greater. And the people ran and they all cried Moses just looked over and said, tell Eleazar and the boys to take, and I quote, the censers out of the smoldy remains and scatter their coals. You can read your Bible. We're going to use those censers. Those belong to the tabernacle, but just scatter all the ashes and the coals. Korah went from leadership to dust in a matter of moments and whatever reputation he might have gained, it went down with him when the earth swallowed him up. The damage that he did. And some people, man, I know this is harsh, but some people should never gain your pity or sympathy. Just leave it alone. Don't even speak their name. Just say, we're not going to talk about it. Don't say, poor Korah. He is a usurper. Just leave him. Don't even walk on the place where the earth swallowed. Just walk around. Come on, kids. Let's walk around. Don't even go there. I saw that earth opened up before. We're not taking any chances. Don't go down there. Don't even plant a tree. Don't have any kind of memorial. None of it. 
Korah is the guy you do not want to emulate. He's the man you do not want to have over for dinner. Do not invite him to your table. Do not go to Korah's house or in your life. Do not bring Korah in your life. He will say things like, why does one person have so much authority in the church? Or, you know, we all have the Holy Spirit. He'll say, and besides this, the veil's been torn. We are all holy and God is with all of us. Who does he think, who does she think they are? And even if they serve your favorite food, do not sit with them. They have the spirit of Korah. They are people of influence and they have gifts, positions. Are you hearing me? They have callings. They have talent. But they usurp. Korah has a bad reputation. Hateful. Prideful. Corrupt. He's a leader that speaks with great ability. He's a debater. He draws men to him. He's quick on his feet, but he has a bad image. Just so you know, God did not put Korah in that place. Korah did all that by himself. And Korah led 200 men down a pitiful path. And they never came back from it. They were influential men. They were men of renown. They had reputations. And Korah was the ringleader. And they all gathered around him and converged. And just huddled and said, talk to us, Korah. And he, 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 he convinced them. Now Moses, he's got too much on him. And Besides, we don't even like Aaron. What has he got to do? It doesn't matter. He's his brother. And if we could, there'd be no evidence of Korah or his band of usurpers. I'm doing a little digging. Can't find Korah. The earth swallowed him up. Earth and fire took care of all of them. Yes. But not everyone followed that path. Because no matter who you came from, it does not mean that you have to end up the same way. <laughs> We're all born in sin and shaped in iniquity. No one's born righteous. I'm glad we call it church baby. That church baby still needs to repent of their sins. Not right away. But some of them need to start earlier than, later than others. You know who they are. I know you're four. Get down to that altar. <laughs> We still have the opportunity to choose who we want to be. You're not destined to be like the man or the woman who came before you. I love all the parents and all the foster parents and all the adoptive parents. Just, I just want to make this clear. Thankful for all of them. But foster parents are not inherently wonderful. And grandparents are not naturally kind. Not all of them. People have issues. A million homes over are filled with anger, hate, and abuse. Now, what I'm going to tell you comes from a variety of, of there's disenchanted, disconnected, connected parents, moms and dads, grandparents, foster parents, disconnected. I, I could have listed about 50 things. I just pulled out one that was glaring to me. This comes from a group called Game Quitters. It's affecting America and all of the westernized societies. And just among adult men with children, between around 12% of men are gamers in America. They're addicted. They're non-communicative with their children. They spend over three to four hours a day playing their, their games. Children are neglected. It's happening in every kind of home. And the statistics are exactly the same way in Christian homes. So don't think 
that just because you come to church, just because you hear a sermon and everyone else is hearing the same thing, that people are not addicted to all kinds of stuff. Alcoholism has exploded from the, from the early moment of March 2020 until now because liquor stores were deemed essential. You had to shut down everything else, but you did not shut down the liquor store. The courts are overloaded with physical abuse cases. Right now, even in Vigo County, we have four courts right now. And Judge Rader told me just a few years, just a year or so ago, he said, Pastor, we are overloaded. It's hard to get all of these issues, the drugs and the abuse. It would be inappropriate for me to delineate the rage that has ramped up in neighborhoods of every economic status in our city and around all of Indiana and the Midwest, places where you thought they were just sleepy little towns. They were not. No one is exempt. Nobody is exempt. Rage and hate handed down from granddad and great-granddad and great-uncle and great-aunt. There are issues on every corner. Fathers and mothers, extended family members and cousins and uncles and friends of the family. Good names are hard to find. Cora has a horrible reputation. But the name written on your birth certificate does not have to be the thing that defines you. My father grew up on a bar stool watching his dad drink to death. But one day my dad said, no, I don't think I have to live like that. And I have no association with where he came from. I carry his last name, but I do not carry his addiction. I carry his DNA, but I do not carry his definition. I think you got to get out. You're going to get out. Something's been holding you down. Something's been pulling you back. And the moment you think you're going to climb out, some memory of your past and your family just brings you back down. You might have been born out of wedlock. But that does not mean that that you have to have the same thing happen in your life. You might have been you might have been a drug baby born into this world with a natural addiction in your in your own in your own body but I promise you you do not have to follow that same thing and your daddy might have been named Cora but there's something else in you Yes Yes I'm just going to I'm I'm peeling back something and there's something I found that's not good we're learning how to cope coping mechanism and we come to God thinking it'll never go away I'll just learn how to cope with all of this stop all that mess he's a healer of cancer he's a healer of diabetes and liver problems and he's also the healer of everything you're coping with you don't have to cope any longer it's time for you to get out and stop coping with it Fathers and mothers, grandfathers, aunts, uncles, everybody. I I guess I've just been around this for so long. I've watched people cruise into church. They sit silent, motionless. If your parents sit silent and motionless, 
no passion, no worship, no shout, no tears, no dancing, no rejoicing. Grandparents have religion but have no relationship. I want to tell you, you don't have to live like that. If you grew up surrounded by a bunch of stoic people who never said anything nice about the Lord and never complimented, you don't have to live like that. You don't have to be like that. You don't have to be a complainer like your best friend is a complainer. Chances are you need a new best friend. But if you can't find a best friend, don't take on the spirit of the person that's around you the most. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm too old to play nice. <laughs> so I'll just tell you. You don't have to be a religious fake and a fraud like your sibling and like some of your family members. They're a fraud. They're a fake. They don't believe anything. They just come because they like the community and they want to find out where everyone's going to eat after church. You don't have to live like that. You can be full of the Holy Ghost and power and righteousness and peace in the Holy Ghost. You don't have to live like that. You don't have to be that. You have a choice. You don't have to be rebellious and carnal and judgmental and a Pharisee like the people that you came from. You write your own story and when you do, the line will not die. The sons of Korah, the line of Korah, however, he died, but the line did not have to die because some of the boys got together and they said, I know dad wasn't right. I know he didn't do right. I know he spoke against Moses, but we're not going to live like that. I'm so tired of the devil and the enemy saying you're going to be like them. You have no choice. I rise to say you're going to get out of that. Stop letting that image pull you back down. Hey. See, Korah might have gone with, without a whimper, but his sons came out with a song. Judgment for some, yes, but God's grace is just as powerful and wonderful as any judgment he has ever bestowed upon man. Yeah. I know that most pe- people think that all the Psalms were written by David. He was the ultimate worship leader and psalmist. Nobody was a singer and a musician like David. However, there's 150 of those Psalms that the line of Korah did not die. When their father was judged. Because the sons of Sora, of Korah got down uh, and they said, let's do something a little different. Dad went to dust because our father tried to usurp and overthrow Moses. No, let's do something different. The sons of Korah were still Levites and they still held their censers for the sake of the sanctuary. And if that was not enough, they didn't just say, well, you know, we'll just be quiet little and, and it's a bad thing. And you know, look how horrible dad and all those men and all the families affected by those, by that decision that my father, that our father did. And they all burned up. Can you imagine all the other wives and children and, and other people that were looking on and man, they could 
could have, they could have wallowed and just shrunk back in the shallows of embarrassment. But they said, no, no. And they got together and they wrote 11 different Psalms. Psalm 42, Psalm 44, written by the sons of Korah. Psalm 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 84, 85, 87, and Psalm 88. They were the sons who wrote the Psalms. In fact, they were the boys who got down and wrote Psalm 42 and 1. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. I know what my dad did, but my soul is, I'm hungry for you. I'm thirsty for you. Here, let me just give you some excerpt from the sons who had a father that was not right. They wrote this. Hope is in God. They said, for I will trust in my bow. I will not trust in my bow. Neither my sword will save me. But thou will save us from our enemies. And thou hast put the shame that hated us down. In God we boast all day long. Praise thy name forever, Selah. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever settled. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. We know what our dad did, but we've decided to get out of that mess and to declare, and I quote, that God is the eternal king. We know what blood runs through our veins, but our heart belongs to God. We know who we came from, but we've made a decision. We're climbing out of that mess. Because the line does not have to die just just because you've come from some people that did not do right. You know they did wrong. They put on a pretty face. They put on a Pentecostalism. But they were dysfunctional and hateful and abusive. And they were wrong. But you don't have to follow that pattern. You can ride up and say, I got some songs to sing that my family never sang. The line will not die. My family is going to start a new line. Now, I wish the Bible would have given them their own names, but the Bible did not do that. And all the, the attribute, uh, attributing commentaries list it like this, the sons of Korah. Why would you list it like that when he was such an evil man and such a wicked man and God had such judgment? Something tells me the line will not die. There are some babies and some sons growing up and some mothers and some fathers that said, you know, I know what my family used to be. I know they were preacher killers. They were gossipers. They were whoremongers. They were adulterers. They were fornicators. They were drug users. They were liars and cheaters but that's not what I'm going to do oh praise the Lord here I'll give you a line Psalm 46 and 1 God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble Uh, the sons of Korah uh, help me I didn't give this to you but uh, put Psalm 48 here's your Bible get Psalm 48 out oh I love this this is Psalm 48 written by the sons of Korah (laughs) verse 1 are you ready great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God in the mountain of his holiness beautiful for situation this we used to sing this joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of a great king. Oh, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness, beautiful for situation, joy of the whole earth.
earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of a great king. That don't sound like Korah at all. That's not usurping. That's not rebellious. That's the praise unto God. I'll tell you what. I don't know who that guy was. I know I see his picture once, but that's not me. I'm, I'm writing the songs that the people in the 21st century are going to sing. Here's what they wrote. God is known in her palaces for a refuge. Who writes that kind of song? I'll tell you who writes it. Sons who decide we are not looking back. We know about the decisions of our family. But we prefer to stay in the sanctuary and serve and sing. Great is the Lord. Psalm 46. I'll just read a little bit. I love these guys, man. I want to meet the sons of Korah. They wrote in verse 4, There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. The holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. Think of the vision, the thought. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early. The heathen raged. The kings were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob. (laughs) That's my great, 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 great granddad. (laughs) The God of Jacob. He's our refuge. Come. Behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he had made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow, cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in fire, because no one's bigger than God. Be still and know that I am God. This is what they wrote. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. No excuse. Stop all the excuses. Stop telling me that you, you, you've come from Ireland. And that's why you've got an Irish temper. That's a cop out. Don't tell me that you have something in your bloodline that makes you act the way you act. No, just say, it's in my blood. I'm, I've chosen something else. Well, it's just how I was raised. Well, you are a brand new creature in Jesus Christ. It's time for you to understand you are a brand new creature in Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about, being born again of the water and of the spirit. When you came up out of the water, everything was buried. You might remember, but the Lord can't remember. So you need to bury it every day until you finally understand. I'm not like them. I'm not even like I used to be. Watch. And the Lord, the Bible says, was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the ways of his father David. And he did not go after Balaam. But he sought the Lord, the God of his father, and walked in his commandments. And he, not after what Israel was doing. Let me do it again. Jehoshaphat walked in the ways of his father David. The problem with that was Asa was Jehoshaphat's father, not David. David lived a hundred years and died before Jehoshaphat was ever born. But the Bible says he walked in the ways of his father David because he finally said, listen, I know who my biological father was, but I'm not going to identify with him. I'm going to go back to the man who walked with God. David is my father, not Asa. 
And it's not just your lineage, but it's also you. And wherever you came from, and whatever you did, and wherever you're from, there's a chair at the table of mercy for you also. And if you're saying, listen, I want to break free, but I've done a lot of stuff, Pastor, you don't understand. I've got a lot of issues. I brought a lot of issues in here. How can I get in? I know my kids are going to be better, but I'm still struggling. I know my kids are going to break out of this because I'm trying, but I'm still struggling. I got a word for you too. Rahab was a prostitute. Rahab was a harlot. But she knew when the spies came to spy out Jericho, she knew the God of Israel is the God. She said to them, everybody's afraid. Everybody knows what you're about to do. We know that the God of Israel is the God of heaven and earth. We know that. She said, I'll hide you away and nobody will find you here. And then when they left, she said, oh, wait a second. Wait a second. When you come to destroy this city, remember me. And the harlot who had no place looked at those men and begged them, don't let judgment come to me. I know what kind of life I've lived. And the men of God said, I'll tell you what. You take a scarlet rope and you, and you lift it and you, and you lower it down from your window. And when the walls come down, your house is going to stand and everybody you get inside. And that is going to be a sign that you are protected. Because the scarlet blood <laughs> does something to your present that no one else can do. And when the blood covers you, no matter where you came from or what you're in today, he's going to cover you. Now, (laughs) he's not just going to make a way for you out of the city that's going to be judged. But he's going to say, listen, I know you started over. And I know you want to sing a new song. (laughs) So I'll tell you what I'm going to do with you. Since I covered you and protected you. Matthew chapter 1 verse 5. Salmon. He always reminds me of the fish. Matthew 1 5. Was the father of Boaz. Whose mother was the harlot Rahab. Boaz the father of Obed. Who was the mother of Ruth. She's a Moabite by the way. Always the enemies of God. Obed the father of Jesse. And looks like the great grandmother of David. I'm just not going to bring you out, but I'm going to bring you in. I'm not just going to bring you out of all that mess that you've been in. You've been, you've been wallowing in. I'll bring you into a new family and graft you in. And what you do not know is when you get out of that thing, everybody, the line of Korah will not die. Now I know in the spirit world... I know in the physical world what I'm doing. I got it. But in the spirit world, there's an incitement in this place. Because the enemy plays upon the minds of people who confess Jesus Christ. He, he plays upon, and the spirit world weighs havoc upon you that have confessed Jesus Christ. You said he is the king and lord of my life. You said I believe in him. But the problem is, the devil is always knocking at your door and saying, but remember where you came from. 
But remember, and you're going to go back there in a Christmas time. You're going to gather around all those people. And they're going to have all that junk in their lives. And you're going to say, but I'm free. And, and I, I'm struggling because I know where I came from. I know where you came from. But what the devil doesn't know is where you're going. I know I came from that, but I'm getting out of it. And I'm not going to sing that song. And I know the image that they have. I think it's time for you to rise up and get out of that pit and let you cannot let anything bring you back down in that thing. You can break free. I want to stand here and say, you can break free. The Lord of heaven and earth is going to break free for you. He's going to pull you out of that. I know, Pastor, but you don't know what I've seen. I know, but let's get a new sight. Let's talk about the rivers of God and the refuge of the Lord and the mountain most high and the beauty, the beauty of holiness and beautiful for situation. He's the joy of the whole earth. And get your ink pen down tomorrow in the morning and write down a verse and say, I love you, Lord, and say, I see you, Lord. You are a great God. You're the healer of my heart. You're the healer of my soul. And whatever you're name is just say I know what he did but the line will not die in me I'm not dying today I know what I'm doing in the natural but there's something more there's a war in me in the spirit so I rise up with the word of God to wage war against everything that the devil has brought against you do you not know you are covered in the blood of the lamb of God and he saved you Now he wants to bring you out of that. Just stand right here. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Lord. I am planting a seed in the hearts of the people, but the devil wants to come immediately and steal the seed. It is his desire that before people walk out of this building, they will doubt, forget, and brush aside the very word that's going to save them. But I rebuke the devourer for their sake. And I pray today, Lord, that you will let the seed grow and flourish. And I release a joy in the Holy Ghost. And I release a spirit of freedom among the people. Let there be liberty in our step and joy in our step psychologists and theologians all got together about five six months ago they had a forum and they and they came to this conclusion this is what they said we don't really know how to remedy the situation, but there is a, over the United States, there's a great spirit of depression. It's a mire. They couldn't describe it among families. And they said, it's not just affecting just government and people and workers and jobs and factories, but it's really affecting churches. And they, they made the statement. They said, in our estimation, there's less joy in churches and in worship services than there ever has been. And to remedy that, for a couple of years now, they've been, music teams have been trying to hype up the service, but it's become like a cotton candy sugar high. And as moment that it's over, 
People just sink right back down like they just had a bunch of caffeine and walked out. And now, now they hit bottom. They bottom out. And so now the music is no longer worship. It's adrenaline to get a fix. But it only, it only lasts for the time frame that the music is playing. And the theologians and the psychologists all got together and they said, well, there's depression everywhere. We're just all depressed. We'll just have to make our way. Maybe we'll figure it out someday. But I would say I reject all of that. Even though there may be, they may be true. In the, in the church of the living God, we got something to rejoice about. So I don't know why we're depressed any longer. I don't know why we're, we're suspect of everything. You've been brought out and brought in and you're covered by the blood of the Lamb of God. And I rebuke that foul spirit out of this house. I rebuke all that out of your life. And I say the lion, the lion. The line of Korah will not die in this place, but there's going to be joy and there's going to be freedom and there's going to be songs. You don't have to be that way. All you got to do is lift up your voice and cry out to God. He is a holy God. He is a righteous Savior. I just have one more thing before we end. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew and Aramaic. The New Testament occurred during the Hellenistic period of time, and it was Greek, uh, the Greeks. When I go to uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, the Bible says, repent. This is the gospel. Repent, that's death, Jesus died. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. That's baptism, that's burial, that's the grave. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the promise. Next verse, the promise of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. And that happened on the day of Pentecost. They spoke with tongues. From that moment on, when people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, they speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Now, it's interesting to me that there's at least six definitions and derivatives for the word for, F-O-R. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. For. Now, some people interpret that as uh, because of. Because you've been forgiven. And if you lean towards that, which is not true, then you don't think that baptism is necessary. Now, baptism to people who think that you, that you baptize because you've been forgiven, they, they think that baptism is, is just a de- public declaration that you, that you identify with Jesus. That's not what we believe. Because the main definition of the word for is to obtain. From the Greek, it means to obtain. So we're baptized for or to obtain remission of sins. Now there's at least six that I've found definitions for the word for in Greek. But the top one is to obtain. Now interestingly enough, if you get to the Old Testament, which is not even written in Greek, and the Bible says... Shout for joy or for praise or shout for the victory. The meaning is is almost exactly the same. Not because of. And the same people who think that baptism is not necessary probably also think that they only shout 
when they've got something good happen in their lives. The fact of the matter is, you shout to obtain the victory. So if you're waiting to worship and to shout before you get out of the pit, something always pulling me down. Something's always pulling me down. And I just, this is just where I live, Pastor. It's just, I'm bound down here. This is where I live. I just learned how to cope with it all in my life. I know the lid's open. I know someday I'd like to get out of here. But every time I leave the church, somebody is saying something. I read something on Facebook. My boss is angry with me. My family's not kind. I keep going to family reunions. Everybody's doing all kinds of horrible things. And you think you cannot get out. I would say today, if you want victory, don't wait for the victory to come. Shout to obtain it I don't feel it but I want to feel it so I'm going to act like I already feel it help me because the line of Korah is not going to die in this house and the line of the praisers is not going to end in this house and the blood still flows it's not going to end in this house somebody shout yes somebody shout yes leap for joy dance in the Holy Ghost My earthly daddy is not going to dictate my heavenly father. Okay, I'll pause. You make a lot of noise. Nathan, I'll pause. Do something back there. My mama. Thank you. We're working on this. You don't even have to be around. I plan on doing this after everyone's gone, but let's just work on this right here. Where I came from was that. Got to get the flow. I'll get in the flow, but you can't get ahead of me now because they won't even know. All right. I'm going to get him some drum lessons. Listen, listen, you got it in your mind that you're not good enough. You're not great. You'll never amount. You got trapped by your your history and your lineage and the junk that was in your past and all the things you did. Whether or not you did them or someone else did them to you, you can get out. If you say, I'm I'm like a Rahab, I don't want to, I don't want to say it. I'm like a Rahab. God is going to bring you in. I release joy and the spirit of praise and the spirit of rejoicing.
Why'd you, why'd you do that for? Because I decided. Why are you clapping? Why did you go there? Because I decided. How did you get out? Because I decided. Who encouraged you? It was only the Lord that encouraged me. Who brought you out? It was only the Lord that brought me out. I decided. Give me just one second. Tammy and I put the crabs. She got one. I got one. Big blue crab coming right out. Nasty. Holding on to that nasty bloody meat. Pulled them out. I was so excited. I got it. Got the crab. She got the crab. I was on top of that pipe going around. All all I really remember is she saying, don't fall off. Hands all bloody. This beautiful little... Southern Belle, bloody hands, putting the crab. She said, we'll put them in together. Because when we get them in together, one crab, you, you're living with a crab. You're hanging out with a crab. Did you pur- are you purposely going to the restaurant with a crab? You're never going to get out of that because you did just pull you down. You know what you're going to say? Man, the church was good today. And they're going to say, yeah, but it could have been better. I don't just like all that stuff that they do. Change tables. You can, you can tell them from me, you're a crab. I'm trying to get out of that mess. <laughs> all right, don't be out of I got to think. When I think of his goodness and what he's done for me, when I think of his goodness.